I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Groves. And I am in the studio live this time, guys, with another very special guest all along the lines of entrepreneurship. And I love her idea because, A, it's outside of my comfort zone, something I would never do. Um, But it's something that's really taken off, especially with COVID. And I see it all over social media. So I have Jill Berger, the CEO and founder of Lushra on the podcast. Say hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be a great episode. So I want you to give a little bit of background on who you are as the founder of Lushra. Yeah. So my name is Jill Berger. I am the founder and CEO of Lushra. I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico originally. That's where I get a little bit of my weirdness from. (laughs) But yeah, I've been here in Dallas for eight years and Lushra is turning four this year. We are a lifestyle events company here in Dallas, Texas. We specialize in over-the-top backdrops, Instagram moments, especially balloon installations is really what we're known for. You may see us with our clear glass hot pink box truck (laughs) driving around town, delivering balloons, going to events. Um, But yeah, that's Lushra. And we also have an e-commerce perspective, which completely blew up through quarantine. So now we are e-commerce focus events driven. I see them all the time when I'm walking through Highland Park or driving through Preston Hollow You and all over social media. So it's definitely for all you Dallas people listening, something that I know you've seen. Were you always an entrepreneurial spirit? Where did this passion for doing your own thing come from? Yeah, I feel like I've always been a firecracker. Like I've always just kind of done my own thing. Um, I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I worked for an ad company my first year out of college and I lasted about a year and they kept asking like, or they kept telling me to be patient because I was like, Uh. I need more work. I need to do more things. I need to grow. And they're like, just be patient. You're so young and cute and it's cute. You want to learn all the things. And I was like, all right, I'm out of here. So then I started my first company, Stay Social Dallas, and I did marketing for small businesses. And that was about a couple years when I started Lushra as well after that. Okay. Yeah. I love being told to be patient. It's one of the most, it's almost insulting in a sense, because it's, you're trying to work so hard. And when you're usually they're like work harder or be more of an overachiever. And that's actually something one of my first bosses told me, she's like, you just need to be patient. Don't hop jobs. Don't do this. And I remember sitting back and I'm like, I've never been told ever to be patient in any aspect of my life. Mm, Some things maybe personally, but professionally it just isn't genuine. So it's something I can resonate a lot with you. And part of your story is you had Stay Social Dallas, and then you also had a wine glass business. I want you to give the audience a little bit of background on those two, because although on paper they might not be a success, I think they really led to the success of Lushra. Yes. So my first business was a social media marketing company and PR, all the things in one. Um, But that really got me a taste for, you know, marketing is everything. Social media is truly the new website. Um, So it really kind of helped me like learn about marketing and social media. I taught myself everything. Um, And from there, actually, Lushra started as the wine glass company. 
So that's Lushra. Started as a wine glass company. I was post-grad in my apartment. We were starting to go through life celebratory moments. So my friends were getting married. We're having babies. We're doing all of, you know, all of the baby showers, the birthday parties, the bachelorette parties, literally the 20 million celebrations that our generation created, which is so fun. But I was like, how do I gift? How do I get presents for all of these things? So that's when I started doing the wine glasses. I was like hand etching these like celebratory moment, the dates, the Mr. and the Mrs. And that's where Lustra started. So then I was going to all of these like pop-up stores, trying to pitch the glasses. It didn't quite work. And then while we were celebrating these special moments, my friends are very extra. So we were creating <laughs> these Instagrammable moment backdrops at every single event. And we, you know, the fringe, the balloons, like the backdrops, all the things we we're putting together. And so that's kind of when like the light bulb moment went for me. And I was like, okay, we're creating these backdrops for all these events. And it's literally a rinse and repeat for every single event that we're at. And before we could really like enjoy being in the present moment of the event, we had to get our photo. So it's like, okay, get the photo and then enjoy the event. So I, I enjoyed creating that Insta worthy moment where you wanted to take the photo and be like, okay, this is the event I was at. And then, and then you can enjoy it once you know you got the photo. Looking back, were you always the child that was super passionate about all things creative and now you feel that your path has kind of led you to this? I feel a lot of times the answer is yes. So I had a Yeah, honestly, I don't I don't I don't I can't remember a time that I was like this this creative little child. I don't know. Okay. I just kind of always made things up and I just I created things. So yeah. I know that I I scored like very high on like creative creativity and I remember like almost being in the gifted class but not quite enough but they're like your daughter is very creative and my mom's <laughs> like okay I don't know what to do with that but okay <laughs> she's like I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing clearly it's worked out for you so I yeah. think it worked in your favor in building Lushra, one thing that I've heard you talk about before is just understanding the client's need and pivoting your business. I want you to touch a little bit more on that philosophy because I think that's where a lot of people can fail is thinking that their idea that they have in their mind is better than what people and clients are telling you. Yeah. I think, you know, you have this idea and you throw it out there and you just are so focused on achieving that, that you don't even realize that if whether it's sticking or not. Um, so yeah, listening, I think is a hard, but like an important practice, like we'll, we'll throw things out and if it doesn't respond well, we're like, okay, back to the drawing board, but definitely like taking time to listen to your audience and also realizing like, you know, after you go on a couple years and then you're like, well, why didn't I think of this? And you're like, if I would have listened to like the beginning feedback, we get so zoned in on what we want it to be. And we're like, no, 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 it just needs to be this a little bit more like I need to try a little bit harder. And it's like. No, if you would have listened in the beginning, you wouldn't have to go through all these steps to get there. But it's so hard because you have this idea in your head and you want it to pan out. But yeah, listening to, I mean, actively engaging on social media is so big. You have an easy access to your consumers and even email marketing. I know a lot of people don't respond, but there are a couple that do. Making sure that you're paying attention to what people are saying on social, your top clients, whether it be email or whatever making sure that you're listening to what they're wanting, not just throwing things and hoping they stick on the wall. Yeah. 
when building Lushra, so after you took the pivot from the wine glasses into the balloons and all of the parties things, what pieces of advice would you give for people who are trying to scale such a new business? Mm-hmm. Um, scaling is something that I have tried once and failed. And it was definitely a failure that kind of knocked me down for a little bit. Will you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. So in 2020, when the global pandemic hit, we were strictly event business. And so I kind of sat there and I didn't realize, I didn't, I don't think anyone really comprehended what was happening. And so I was like, okay, this will blow over. But when it didn't, I was like, oh, people were starting to freak out for me. And I was like, I'm not worried. Like, I'm good. So then I really like it came to me in the middle of the night. I was like online store. I really need to focus on an online store right now because people are still celebrating. And so mm-hmm. we did this big campaign like party at home, but make it lusher. We'll ship you everything you need to build this at home party. So through that, our online store grew by 847 percent. Like wow. overnight, I was blown away by it. And so, of course, I see a little bit of success. I'm like, all right, now that we have this. So when the the um, pandemic, you know, lifted, we were able to go back to events. And we also now had this e-commerce revenue stream coming through that was surpassing our event business. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be focused on e-commerce. I'm going to acquire another company here in Dallas to do all the balloons and all the events. So I don't have to spend my time doing that. And so I acquired another company, merged, acquired. I didn't take myself seriously as a businesswoman to really get to the nitty gritty of like, what is it like? Are we merging? Are we acquiring? Yeah. What is the language we're going to say? Like, what is the difference between the two? Um, so, yeah, I, I was like, this is this is so easy. Like now I'm like two companies in one. But I was going so fast that it almost ruined me. It almost ruined the entire company. Um, I made that bad decision and then was pretty much foggy of just continually making bad decisions from there because I was trying to recover but anyways this acquisition was not aligned with Lusher's values it wasn't aligned with um just our yeah our values and that's the premise of how we like split up I was like this isn't we're not aligned but it was we're so young and there's so much going on that it almost broke me and I was like kind of left at the end and I, I was I was like okay well is that is that it I'm like can I keep doing this because it almost broke me and I, I had to like literally sit down and really evaluate, okay, are you done? Like, are you, are you going to do something else now? Because you tried to scale, you tried to grow and it, it was too much too fast and you completely failed. You fell on your face. And it was something too that I was, it was pretty public. And, you know, when you're in your little bubble, you're like, everyone knows, like everyone knows I'm a failure. And, you know, it takes time. It takes a little bit of, you know, brushing off your ego and it, it, and it's all okay. You know, like two years later, like we're grooving, we're good. But yeah, did that suck? And did I, did I overvaluate? And did I just kind of harp in that failure for a little bit? Yes. It was, it was a, it was a learning lesson for sure. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to dive into that a little bit yeah. more. I'm taking notes. Spider knew I was going <laughs> to take a little pivot. <clears throat> I've heard this many times. And I've heard, I'm sure you've heard it on social media that fast, fast growth is usually the detriment to a business. So I'm glad you're still sitting here and your business is right in front of you. What would you do differently looking back in that acquisition that you would not, wouldn't want someone to make the same mistakes that you did? I would have brought in a professional consultant that 
has been through something like that, I think for me, I just really, I didn't see the value that my company had and what I was bringing the brand that I had created. Um, that was Lushra. And I, I just didn't take it seriously of like, what does bringing on someone else who literally does the same thing you do, your competitor, what does that mean? And I don't think we really sat down because it was it was messy. And when stuff like that happens with big, you know, there's there's contracts. And I had just basically drafted up an employee contract. Um, So we it just wasn't it wasn't thought out and it wasn't done professionally. Like I didn't take myself seriously as a businesswoman. Like this is a big deal that we're doing this and that I'm willing to pretty much let this person run this side of the business. Failures. I'm glad you shared that. Cause I think you're one of the first guests that really capitalized on a failure and in a positive way, because I think it taught you and it brought you to where you are. You have a just do it mentality. I can tell that it's mm-hmm. something that I agree with. I think that's where sometimes we overlook the small details. Cause you're like, well, I'm just going to do this. It sounds great in the moment. And then really it's like, okay, you take a step back. You're always learning. How do you navigate through fear, especially after something like that, when you have a failure right in front of you? Yeah. I love the quote, fear is excitement we have not learned to breathe into. So Ooh. like feeling fear like is kind of exciting and good because you're like, ooh, this is fear. Like I'm going to breathe into it and I'm going to feel the fear and acknowledge it. And just call it by name. Like, I'm afraid this is fear that I'm like is coming from me right now, but I'm going to go into it. And I think when you're not coming from a grounded place, I think when all of that commotion was happening, like I just wasn't grounded. And so I was making decisions in fear. I was I was making decisions not thought out. And so when you're making decisions and acting on a place of fear, I think that's a really unsafe place to be. But I think when you're going into something new or trying something new and you feel that fear, it's a good thing. So it's like breathing into it and then just calling it by name. Emotion versus logic, which I think it's easy when it's your passion project to get emotionally invested. I think if you weren't emotionally invested in it, it would not be where it is today. How looking back, like how do you advise or coach? Was there someone in your life that helped you get through that or someone that kind of talked you back into that grounded place in your life? So I had taken a solo trip to Tulum, Mexico. Okay. And I just kind of retreated from life and I needed that week just to be alone and to retreat. I'm very independent and I'm very like, I need to think alone. I need to make decisions by myself and it needs to come from a place of clarity So I took that trip and I really was thinking about like, what's my next move? Like, am I really going to keep going Lushra? Um, Or am I going to, you know, take this and go do something else? And that's when I really, you know, I sat with myself. I sat a journal, you know, I rented out an Airbnb for a week and I just sat there and was like, hey, and this voice, and this has happened to me twice when I was ready to give up. And this is my second time when I was like, oh, I'm like, this is too much for me. Like, I can't. This is not a good life. And it was this voice that just came coming back and like, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't it. And this is your purpose. Like, Lustre is your vehicle and I'm giving this gift to you and you have to keep going. And so it just really, you can't, you can't ignore that. So I'm like, okay, it's part of the story. It's part of the failure lesson turned redirection. Let's, let's do this. So then I went back to Dallas 
And I had to basically, this had been a complete turnover. And so I had, I had one employee left with me from this complete disaster. And on top of that, I had also tried opening a retail store on top of this. So I hired a retail manager, an assistant manager. It was a completely, it was just out of control. It really was out of control. And I've, I've literally learned like 10 years of business within the six months of trying to expand and grow and literally do everything at once. But I had come back to Dallas and I had rehired one girl with me and we were kind of starting from the ground up. And from there, these two coordinators I had quit back to back. And so it was like all these things were kind of like rumbling. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not. But it's like sometimes shit has to like let it go for better things to come. So now I have like, I have eight employees. Three of them just hit their one year mark this week, you know, which we're still young, but like for us to finally feel like we're in a groove and we're like that team and that support we're getting, we're getting each other's like strengths. We're vibing off each other. And now I feel like, okay, this is it. Like, this is my operating team. I'm so supported more than I've ever been. And we're doing this together and they're they're all in like all of the girls that I have on my team they're so in and so committed um so I'm in a really good place now but shit had to hit the fan and you know I love listening to entrepreneur stories when they're like yeah I've been with the same people since the very beginning I'm like oh that's cute (laughs) I'm like no that's not the case I mean I will say like your first hire like god bless them because they literally have to do everything and you're not always with that same person that you started with or if the multiple people that you have, like your first hires are not always with them. And you have to remind yourself, like, the health of my business is based on the health of me. And I have to put myself first before I can take care of my employees or take care of my business. And that's something that I've had to learn the hard way as well. What are certain things that you do to take care of you to make sure that everything else operates smoothly? Yeah. I mean, in the morning, I take the first three hours of the day for me and I don't check my, well, sometimes I check my phone. I don't want to pretend like I'm perfect, (laughs) but I do make sure that the first three hours of the day are for me. So I meditate, I work out, I journal, I take time, walk my dog. I just enjoy my cup of coffee. I'll FaceTime my sister and niece. Like I will take that time for me and then I will tell myself what kind of day I'm going to have. And I'm in a place now, like, I've worked so hard to have day-to-day peace. And I know, you know, starting out, like, the first couple years of my business, there's no way I could have, like, leisurely woken up. I don't wake up leisurely. I wake up at 6.30. But, you know, I come into my office at 10.30, and that's such a luxury that I've created for myself. And I'm very proud of that time, and I need that time for me to operate effectively. Because if I come in and I'm, you know, barely waking up and I'm in a bad mood, it just, it's not going to go well for anybody. I do the exact same thing that you do. So I'm a, I'm a big morning routine person. <laughs> and it's funny because I'll see people that are like, well, I don't have time for this. And I'm like, you make time for what's important to you. And if you want me to operate at my highest potential, then I need to do X, Y, and Z for me. And I don't think it's a selfish thing. I think it's just putting yourself and being self-aware enough to recognize, hey, like this is where I need to be to serve you the best. And if that doesn't align with you, then maybe we're not in alignment in this relationship. And I think it's a hard reality for some people to recognize, especially in the business world. But at the end of the day, when we're when you're moving towards the same goal, it's not necessarily how you get there. When you get there, you're all going to the same North Star. 
Exactly. So it's just, you talk about leading with vulnerability, which I think Mm -hmm. is a very interesting topic and something that I couldn't agree with more, especially in the business I'm in now. Was there an event in your life that triggered that mindset in leading? Yes. So in 2020, I was woken up with PTSD. I know a lot of people, mental health became very talked about because, you know, we're all, we're by ourselves. A lot of, a lot of world is uncertain. And so a lot of things start boiling up in people's lives. And I'm a survivor of domestic violence. And that is something that I had to work really hard at in 2020 to process the PTSD because it's something I had hidden even for myself for seven years. And so while that was happening, I was trying to lead this new company, this new growing company. I had made all these hires from our success from our e-commerce and the acquisition. All the things were happening while in the back end, like while I was at home, like going through PTSD and figuring out what do I do or how do I how do I handle this? And so with, you know, going through lots of therapies, just being open and honest and leading with my feminine, I'm not going to hide that, you know, I have compassion for you because I have compassion for me. And if I don't lead with that, then other people are going to be afraid to be who they are, like to come to come open with the things that everyone has a life outside of work. And I think for me, it's really that work-life blend. It's no longer like nine to five checkout at the door. It's like, hey, you need to come in at noon because you need to take care of your business and that's fine. But I just know that you're going to get your job done because you respect me and the business and we'll make sure of that. But it's no longer like, yeah, nine to five clock in, clock out. It's like, have your life. And this is part, this is a huge business and work is a big part of your life, but you have to be balanced on both ends. And I know I am, and I hope that other employers out there are more focused just on that balance for like human happiness overall. Yeah. It's hard. And I think 2020, you were going through it in 2020. And I think a lot of other people were. It's a, a conversation a lot of people can resonate with. And I think that's where the shift comes from. And I think that's why there's so many people that are so passionate about side hustles because you were awoken to how unhappy you were, but you didn't know any different. Like even for me, and this is 2020 is when this podcast came to fruition. It's like, I had the time in this space and I was like, I'm not happy in what I'm doing. Like I am not a corporate world person. I'm not a nine to five person. Like I have that entrepreneurial spirit. I have that passion. And so many other people are going through that. And I think obviously you're extremely self-aware to recognize that you have to leave with vulnerability. And when you're vulnerable and you're setting that example from the top, it trickles down and you I'm sure you've seen toxic cultures and toxic workplaces where people don't lead with that. So I think it's super important, especially for people out there listening. How do you balance? I'm a yoga instructor, so I love talking energy and spirit and all that type of stuff. How do you balance the masculine and feminine energy? I think it's a hard line to walk, especially as an alpha independent female, both personally and professionally. Yeah, that's a good one. So when I'm at Lushra, when I'm at the office, I'm in my masculine and I'm getting shit done. I'm making decisions. I'm having meetings. When I check out, and this is something I've been really working on in my personal life, but I'm I'm in my feminine. I'm cook. I'm learning how to cook good. I'm doing yoga. I'm you know being creative in my apartment. I love decorating and doing fun things. So I think that's where I have my balance. Is I'm the leader at Lushra, and I am making the decisions, but. 
when I'm dating, guys, you better not make <laughs> me make like, please have the reservation. Like, please be a man and please show up as a masculine man because I want to stay in my feminine. I'm making decisions all day and being in my masculine. And it's not like I'm so just like, like, you know, like make yeah. decisions like masculine energy. But yeah, I I have to. I have to be in that mode. And then outside of Lushra, I would like to stay in my feminine as much as possible. Um, so I'm I'm working on staying in my feminine so I can attract that masculine partner who I know will be balanced as well. So I, you know, I want a man that's masculine, but is also in his feminine energy and can be okay with having that dual side. Yeah. I will say, and it's funny, <clears throat> we're going to get into mentorship, so this might be a little bit of a, but I was telling mine, I'm like, I would feel like I'm going to have to be someone with entrepreneur because I think it's hard for them to understand. Like I've talked to guys that are in the corporate world and like, they just don't get it. And I don't mean it in a mean way or condescending way. Is that something that resonates with you? I know this is not a dating podcast. Yeah. But. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's hard. Like sometimes when I am dating and someone's maybe in, I don't, I want to knock anyone down, but yeah, it's yeah. just like. <laughs> We're not going through the same life stages. Exactly. We don't have the same type of conversations like, oh, I'm sorry you didn't get a raise. Like, go out, you know, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I, I can't even relate. Like, go after what you want. And so when I, I can't even be around, I don't know. It's so, yeah. it's challenging. Like, I will say I, yeah, I, I hope that I can meet somebody that is also on the same wavelength of just going after what they want. Yeah. It's such an, and it's funny too, because you always hear people give advice of like, oh, go after what you want, be confident, all this stuff. I'm like, guys, I literally said this on podcast. I'm like, it doesn't mean it gets easier. Like, it doesn't mean that once you lean into this and you're confident and you're alpha, I think you attract better quality and you're not wasting your time as often. But I do think that there's like an intimidation factor sometimes mm -hmm. that you we can give off. And it's not in a purposeful way, but it's just funny because I'm like, just because someone tells you to go one way doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. There's always a balance in everything in life. Spirituality, I know, is important to you. Yeah. Where did that come from and how has that impacted your professional career? Yeah. So um, I went down the whole spiritual journey again in 2020 and just healing myself from my trauma and um, realizing that you create your world and everything is spiritual. Like the world's a holographic. You make it what you want. And I think when you kind of look at the blessing that our lives are and, you know, we're all here just having a human experience and just be kind to one another. It, everything is, you know, we're just we're we're spirit in human form. And I like connecting to God and having that spiritual connection that helps me get through life on a day to day basis. And um, I fully believe in like the power of manifestation and creating your own reality and I'm very big into Reiki, so like all about energy healing and yoga as well. So yeah, I'm I have a lot of spiritual practices <laughs> in my toolbox. How has that impacted you as a leader? Do you feel it's made you more empathetic and maybe even more creative at times? Yeah, definitely. I I definitely see the human in everybody, and I have a lot of compassion for people that I'm around and. Um, I, I do think it may I do think it makes me a better leader, um, just being a little bit more understanding and patient. And um, I, I, I think it helps me stay present as well, um, because I'm like, OK, today, today's the only thing we need to be focusing on today. What can we do today to make us an inch better, a little bit, you know, tighter in our policies? Like, what's one thing we can do? So I just think like 
the practices behind spirituality and, you know, just staying present and grateful. I think if we all were to just do that, life would be so much easier. Yeah, that's why my last question always is the same thing. Because I'm like, when you focus on what you're grateful for, everything else seems so much bigger and also so much smaller. If you're struggling over little things, you just realize how small that is in the grand scheme of life. And you touch a little bit on relationships. I love your statement and comment that you made previously about surrounding yourself with like-minded people. I think when you're an entrepreneur, and this is something that I've tasked myself with over the next six months and moving forward, how important do you feel that is when you're trying to build a business? Because there's a lot of voices that are coming at you and it's hard to filter through the nonsense. Yeah. I mean, you are the five people you spend the most time with. So if you want to do big things and do things out of your comfort zone, what are the five people around you doing? Are they saying, oh, no, 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 let's co- let's go to brunch. Like, no, no, no. Or are they saying like, yes, let's, let's focus on our goals. What are we both going to be doing this week? And I'm so lucky to be surrounded by people. And, you know, I've cultivated this, but people that are challenging me and I challenge them back. And when you surround yourself around people and then you look around the room and you're like, wow, we're all like mirroring each other and we're all inspiring each other, just getting closer to our goals each and every day. It's definitely something to be proud of. And I love your quote. I don't know if I'm saying this, but like sharing the mic. I want you to elaborate a little bit on this because the way you phrased it, I was like, you hit the nail on the head. Like it's exactly what I think a lot of people need to hear when you're dealing with outside opinions. Yeah. So when you think about it, if you're like sharing a story and you're holding this mic and then you go ask for someone's opinion and you give them the mic and they just talk, not like hold the mic to yourself. If you have a story to share, if you want to do something, keep it to yourself, because when you start asking other people and getting their two cents, it's diluting what your story is. So if you know what you want, just do it. And like all these ideas and all these creative visions that people have, they're the universe's gift to us. So when you have something inside that you want to create in the outside world, it truly is a gift. And you have to zone in on what that is and speak to yourself and write it out. And don't ask anyone else for their opinion unless you truly would like their opinion and would value their opinion. But take it with two cents. It's always what I need to hear. Every time I come in here, there's things that we talk about. Spider and I will talk about and I get in here. It's hard. And I think when there are people that are close to you, you grow and develop. And that's one thing that I'm learning throughout my entire journey is like season, reason, lifetime. Like people come into your life for a season. They come into your life for a reason or they come into your life for a lifetime. And it's hard when you're growing so much and like you're just evolving, you're growing out of phases that those opinions that you once held so close maybe don't hold that same value anymore. And it's a harsh reality sometimes. And I feel like it's been a wake up call, but it's something that I personally have had to do because if you're not building the same thing as me, it's hard for me to take your feedback because it's kind of null and void unless you're doing the exact same thing that I'm doing or trying to do. And so that's why I love talking and meeting with other entrepreneurs because we always have that same, we're on the same wavelength, Mm -hmm. no matter where you're at in your journey. And more often than not, they're more than willing to share and they're more than willing to help. You've touched on mentorship. Do you personally have a mentor yourself? I do. Okay. How has that elaborate more on the importance of that for you? It's been so important. So I met my mentor, um, Four years ago, and we were both starting our businesses at the same time. Okay. However, she is 38, so about 20 years on me. So she has, you know, we're in the grind of it together, but she has 20 years of life experience. And so 
I really look up to her with her wisdom of, you know, what comes with life and learning lessons. It's not about the business perspective of that. It's about the life perspective. And um, I call her, she'll always answer my calls. She's busy. She's building a business. Marcy Hubbard of Bright Beauty, shout out to her. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, everyone needs mentors. I hear that three is really what you should have. I think that's a lot. Um, But I do hear that different mentors for different aspects or just maybe three people in your mind that you could go to for certain things. Um, Maybe it comes over time. So yeah, three apparently is the number. I have not heard. It's, I think for me, I'm not, I'm quick to trust, but maybe not in some areas of my life. I hold, especially business stuff. I feel like I hold it a little bit closer. I have one and I swear by him and I literally would not be here today if it was not Mm -hmm. for him and just like overcoming challenges but I do see maybe to your point having three and maybe three different fields or three different opinions. Cause I think sometimes they can be very strong in one area and it's like, okay, maybe that's not the stage that you're in. So that's interesting. I'm never, where'd you hear, was it on a podcast that you heard that? Or did you no, like, I think it was a friend who is very into self-help and entrepreneurship yeah. as well. Okay. So I was like, Oh, three. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That is super. Yeah. I mean, I have one, so maybe we'll add, we'll add, we'll find two more yeah. on the side of the road. It's I'm a life gonna- journey. <laughs> It's a life journey. I want to kind of bring it back. So Lushra, after everything that has happened or happened in 2020 and then into 2021, you were on Shark Tank. And I know you kind of briefly posted about this and I caught a little bit. So I want you to, obviously everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. A big failure overcome by going on Shark Tank. Elaborate on that experience for the audience. Yeah. So I, when I first started Lushra, like my dream was to be on Shark Tank. So I would just watch every single episode and I would be like, how do they get this much money? Like, how does the revenue just come in for them? And, you know, little. So I literally applied on their website. I don't know how many people apply on their website, but I got this email. It was in 2021, right after my trip from Tulum. Weird. Funny how the universe works. (laughs) It's like, no, no, no. Here's this gift I'm going to give you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it for me. Like, this is how Lusher takes off. And I'm going to go on a national platform and promote my product and I'm going to get invest. I was like, I'm getting two investors. Who'd you want? I wanted, um, Barbara and okay. then Emma Greed was the guest shark. Oh, I don't so know she's her. She's the founder of all American jeans with Chloe Kardashian. Okay. She's just a queen. And so when I found out she was going to be my guest shark, I was like, Oh, well, that makes sense. Like Kardashian parties, like they set the, all the trends. I'm going to for sure be in on that. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I had all the confidence in the world, which I needed. Yeah. Um, and so I went on Shark Tank and they kind of just not, they honestly kind of knocked me down a little bit. Um, they do that to literally everyone that goes on the show. They're, they're, they're intense. And I think <laughs> I'm like, have a hard outer, outer shell. And I'm like, what the, they're sharks, like for real. They're very much sharks. And they were, they were, did in a kind way, but almost like, cause I wore this, this pink suit dress, like this blazer dress. And, you know, just coming out with all this energy and the, yeah. I, we did the whole balloon setup. And I think they're like, uh, they, it was just like a lot. And when I left, though, Barbara was like, there's this fire inside of you and I see it wants to come out. But like, you're not showing us that today. Like, what's your story? Like, I need something from you. And so that's when I was like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. And I have Lustra as my vehicle to help people celebrate life's highs because life is full of highs and lows. And if we don't stop and celebrate the highs, we've missed out on the whole entire meaning, which is to celebrate life with people we love. And so she was like, well, why don't you start with that? 
And I was like, okay, noted. And so she actually emailed me after the show and was like, congratulations, like your sales are going to rocket. Of course, we didn't get aired. (laughs) Our episode's not airing. So I'm like, "Mm, sales aren't happening for that. But I have that business connect now. And she's like, whatever, whenever you need me, I'm here. So I'm like, okay, that's open. Um, You know, Mark Cuban's here in Dallas. We now have that connection. So I think it's a really good opportunity for Alestra and for me to just be a part of that business world. And then for me to be inspired and Barbara was like, start sharing her story. And so when she told me that, that's when I realized that I did need to share my story. And I posted a a video um, in October for National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I was able to raise money for Lushra. And and now I know it's just something every single year we're going to be doing and really showcasing, you know, the why of Lushra and like the why for me. And it opened up a lot of perspective for me, just like Lushra is this story and this is my story and I do have a story to share and I want to use it to empower other people. And so I know, you know, even giving the mic here today, I'm like, I hope that someone's listening to this and if they've gone through trauma in their life, like don't let it define them. And you can, you can pick up the pieces, you can heal yourself and you can literally do whatever you want in the world. And so you just got to get rid of those negative old thought patterns that might have been beating you down for a little bit, but you can free yourself from that. And it's all a self-healing journey. And I hope that I can inspire people to go on their own healing journey and to just realize this is the one life they have to live. So it's it's not a life if you're stuck in the past and you're letting your past define you. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That almost made me cry. That was so <laughs> that was so good. And yeah, I think when people come on this and I've had so many people open up on here and they're vulnerable and they share their story, you can feel the energy, like you feel the energy exchange. And I think that's what people connect to in entrepreneurship. And that's what I connect to because I think every single person, this is why they have this platform has a story. What their business is about more than just them. It's not about their business. It's about how did they get there and who did they become on their journey? And mm-hmm. I think you just hit the nail on the head is that your business came to fruition based off of your past experiences. And Barbara just brought that out of you. Like, hey, this whole Lushra is just an output of everything that you gone, you've gone through. And when you connect on a deeper soul level to that why, you can feel it and people can feel that impact. And that's the story that people resonate with. Because, yeah. I mean, as you can agree with it, not a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur and that is totally fine. But I think when people are listening to this right now, that's what they're going to connect with. And I know I have multiple friends listening to this that did go through domestic violence mm-hmm. and have been victims of that and have been on the other side of toxic relationships. How my sister is one of them. So it's like, that is the part that anyone can connect with. And I think that's when people are listening to this, it's a lot bigger. And I think that's a takeaway that I'm, I'm never say takeaways in this episode, but it's like, if that's one thing that you get away from this episode, whether you want to start a business or not, there's always something more on the other side of it. You just had a failure and then you went on shark tank. I think it's all about perspective and it's all about how you shift your mindset to really get you. Yeah, exactly. It is a mindset, mindset over matter for sure. What piece of advice would you give for someone that's where you were in 2020 to get to where you are in 2022? The only way out is through and you've got to go through the hard, the, the negative emotions and you've got to go through the lows. You've got to sit in the lows and you've got to feel them for you to process the, the reality of what you're in. Um, but there's, it's always, there's always another side. So 
if it's not okay for you right now, you're not you're not through it. And the only way out is through. And I think that's the hardest part is no one wants to sit in negative emotions or negative reality when it, you know, it's talks of positivity, like, no, 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 no. It's like, no, but you have to actually feel it and you have to understand like why you're in this place. And I think for me also is like your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. So for me, like all these things were like completely crumbling, like my business was crumbling and it's like, well, inside I was crumbling. So it made sense. Like I, it, none of it was aligning. And so it's almost like glad that I like I had to like completely like wipe off the crumble and I was able to just kind of start fresh on my own after that. But yeah, it sucks. It really sucks going through it. But stay close to the people that truly, truly love you and kind of allow yourself to disconnect if you're going through a hard time. Don't don't like delete your social media, just delete other things that aren't going to bring you joy. And if you're already in a hard time, then scrolling on social media is definitely not the best thing to do. I think it's one of the most overrated. And I know my, I told my sister this and she started doing it. Just disconnect. Like it, social media is not moving. It's not going anywhere. You're just removing yourself from the situation. And I do 24 hour breaks, probably like at least once or twice a month. And there's one time I took three weeks off and I noticed such an impact on how you feel and not, comp- and even if you don't think that you are consciously, you are subconsciously. And I think that's where the self-awareness comes into play of just recognizing how your energy shifts when you're spending so much time looking at other people's lives instead of saying, what do I need? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I need internally so that all of this can externally show and, and that's shift. why, like, the first 30 minutes of your day, if you're on social media, you are literally giving people access to, like, your life, your bedroom. If you are answering emails in your bed, you're literally giving people access to your intimate time. And I've been so, like, I'm so good on that. And I respect, like, other people's time as well. So I'm not expecting someone to email me back if I if I send in wonky time. But, like, yeah, respect the time limits of what you set and set them for yourself because no one's going to set them for you. Instagram makes so much money. And it's setting up boundaries, which I always think I always used to be like, well, no, I always have to be working. It was like always this doom mentality. And now that I'm kind of undoing that, I'm recognizing that you're actually more productive mm-hmm. and you're a lot happier and you get much more done instead of always being available. I do the 30 minute thing. I mean, I literally, unless I'm like posting something real quick, I just don't scroll until like almost noon sometimes because it's just not worth my energy at all. Yeah, I think it's hard. Like I've noticed personally, I've really taken a step back from social just because I just, it's not, it's so far off reality and it just, people think that it is. And I just, I've been having a hard time with social media lately. I'm like, no one cares. Like I'm not going to post the, my Starbucks, like I'm just like, what is the purpose of this? Um, But yeah, it doesn't, doesn't give you, an insight into someone's life there it's so it's so just what they want you to see I think it's hard and I I do feel like there's going to be a change coming because it's it's to the point where it's like it's so bad that I'm like I don't want my kids to be raised with this like I don't know I I just think there's a change coming I feel it and it's funny too because well the producers and I were having this talk before but I feel like when you're on social media or like him and I were talking like we have a podcast so I don't necessarily listen to a lot of podcasts it's funny because like we both have businesses that need to be promoted on social media oh, yeah. but yet we're the ones that are like we want nothing to do with it <laughs> it's it's strictly like yeah a platform for like promoting my business and also like for you and me as well like we also have to stay relevant 
I can't just like go off the grid because I'm like, no, I have like I do want to be posting like podcasts and I do want to be an inspiration. So as much as I can, I would like to be. But it is hard trying to find that like balance of like, okay, what am I going to share intimately? And then what am I going to share with other people? Yeah, it's I don't know if I'll ever figure it out. I'm sure there's a lot of influencers that are like, well, it's always I mean, you hear their opinions a lot and it is hard. I think when you're whole life is out there. And then how do you pull that back in? And I don't put, I'm a pretty private person, like outside of this podcast and some little things, but I can only imagine when it's like families involved. I mean, it's just a whole added layer of stress that I don't think a lot of people recognize. And then people are always want more. They always want more access, share more, share this. And I've had this conversation with my mentor. I'm like, I draw a line. Like there's certain things that I just won't because once I give you access to that, it's like, you go much further and you basically know everything about me. And then at that point, it's like nothing's really private anymore. Like my mm-hmm. life isn't really me. It's I'm sharing it with everyone else around me. So I think it's hard. It's a hard balance. What did the Shark Tank experience? A few more questions. Then yeah. I'll get you out of here. Um, what did the Shark Tank experience and maybe a little bit on your failures teach you about business that you didn't know previously? Um. Well, Shark Tank, I learned my numbers for the first time. So that was good. Um, but They're yeah, big numbers, people. <laughs> oh, big numbers, people. I was like, I'm not getting stooped by them. And I did not. But then, you know, it's becoming that businesswoman that showed up to Shark Tank. So, like, I had, like, three months to prep to, like, figure out what my numbers were to figure out, like, how do I effectively communicate, like, my vision, where I'm going, where I've been. Um but numbers speak volume. So if you know, like knowledge is power, if you know what's what's going on, the underlying issues, I think for me, definitely um, just numbers, numbers to give me power and knowledge of, as being like a true business owner and not just some like creative person that's come up with a cool idea. I love how they always say that. They're like, what are your numbers? What's your revenue? What's this? And some people like shaking in their boots. How so you you had three months? How much prep did you actually have to put into the whole experience? Oh, it was like a, a full time job, literally. Like I had two producers that were assigned to me, and I would say like you know I had probably six months. So it was a very long, wow. very long process, and we would check in every week. We pretty much so they like co write the script with you when you pitch. So like your first sixty seconds. I knew it. Yeah. Okay. Mine was so good. It was so cute. I'm so mad it's not getting aired. <laughs> um, but then from there, like as soon as they like you say like, and who wants to like be a part of the ride? That's when it's like all you. So they prep you up to that point of like having a beautiful display and having like a really cool intro because they want you to be lively. And I also think that's probably why I got it because like you're fun and you're going to have like such a fun show. Um, so then from there, that's when I really like prepped of like, what are my numbers? Um, you know, everything about me because it's it's an hour long. We had an hour long conversation and then they end up showing what, like five minutes of like what that conversation is. An hour? It was an hour. And I didn't even realize. I mean, we were ta- it was a good it was a very good conversation. Um, and that's why I was like, there's no way like right right off the bat, like everyone was so interested in it. And they were asking me all these questions. And in my mind, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like I'm getting a deal. And like I didn't even really know what I was saying, but I was like, in my mind, I just remember like, yeah, I'm getting a deal. This is happening. Like, they're so excited for me and I'm so excited. Um, And then like one by one, they're like, and for that reason, I'm out. I was like, okay, thank you for your time. And I literally was like, thank you for your time. Okay, not you. Okay, next. Just like still so excited. And then it was like, finally, Barbara. And like, she was so wanting to give me a deal, but she was like, uh, 
too soon for me. I was like, okay, respect. And then I was like, damn, I really didn't get a deal. And I like, they do like the dramatic walkthrough and then they do like the dramatic post interview. I mean, it's, it's definitely half like TV and half real life. And that's the thing, you know, it's like you prep and like, this is your real business on the line. Like Mm -hmm. this is a real investment. They don't, they don't like fly you out or they did fly me out, but I flew like my team out and it was like, it was a big production. And, you know, they give me these like brown columns for like the TV. And I was like, this is not okay for like my set. And so I had another company like design this cool set for me. So it was a, it was a pretty big investment for me. And, I, you know, it was a risk I was willing to take because I wanted it to look good for TV. But it was a great, great, great learning experience. Like one in a million, never in a million years would I have thought I would have been able to do that and have the confidence and to do that. So I'm, I'm grateful for the experience. I'm grateful for the connections that has opened since. And I think it gives me a little credibility as well of just being like, yeah, like, I, w- I will turn this into a nationwide company and you will see my product on Target. Like you will just because it's not via Shark Tank. Like I now have access to shark alumni, other guest sharks who's there's many local to Dallas. So I'm just, you know, positive mindset. Like everything does happen for a reason. And who knows? Like I talked to another girl who actually got a deal on Shark Tank Cause I would like, I would watch all the episodes and then I'd find like badass women and I DM them on Instagram. Like, Hey, I'm going on this season. Like, can I have an hour of your time? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And one of the girls was like, literally the guest shark who gave me a deal waited until my episode aired to even reach out for like next steps. And by that, my episode had aired our, our sales had like quadrupled. I didn't need her anymore. So that like a lot of the shark deals, like don't even end up going through. It's just kind of like an episode like for show so there's always that like it could always been like a deal and then like through their lawyers or whatever they're like no 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 and that's why a lot of them are like do you just come on just for exposure like do you really want a deal and I've really wanted a deal like I definitely need the capital but there's so many avenues that I'm gonna find from that that is so interesting because some of the deals are large and obviously I know they're all billionaires, so I know they have the money, but that would make more sense because I think even if you didn't get a deal, but your episode was aired, that would be my thought. Like if, I wouldn't be mad if it aired because you would still get, I mean, it's like, you're going to hit the ceiling. It's kind of like the bachelor, like you go on the yeah. bachelor and your social media and now you're making so much money off of ads. So it's kind of like the same type of thought process. And since your business is already established, it's like, all you need is those sales. That's really what you're looking for to pay for the other things that they're looking for, unless it's like a manufacturer issue. That is so interesting. Yeah. And that's actually like a fun, I mean, that we're going to put this one into a reel because that's interesting because that's the stuff that you don't hear about all these people. Like you make an investment and then it's like, oh, they didn't reach out to me until X, Y, Z after I would be pissed. Yeah, I know. But it worked out for her because her episode got aired and I'm sure that there's, there's deals that are made and then their episodes aren't aired either. Like, I always wondered because they were like, they over the amount of entrepreneurs. So they have this like Zoom call in the beginning where everyone's on and we're all so excited. And I'm like, dang, there's so many people. And they're like, from the very beginning, they're like, we're not airing everyone's episode. We want everyone to be fully aware of that going into it. And of course, I was like, well, not me. That's not going to be me. Like, I'm going to be aired. But yeah, I was like, not aired. I'm like, oh my gosh, that sucks. But it is what it is. Relationships are everything. Once you impress the right people, you never know when that person, you're going to see them in five years or now that you have the relationship. I mean, it truly is. Yeah. Even if it 
doesn't get aired, what happened to you, I still think you can't really put a price tag on a relationship with Barbara Corcoran. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. So yeah. I feel like you, you kind of mentioned two learning lessons were the rattle off two that you learned from that experience. Um, Outside of numbers. I know you kind of okay, get yeah. numbers. Numbers. And then also lead with your story. There's always a why people want to connect to your why. Like yeah. you're saying, like Barbara was like, you need to share, you need to share more of your, your story. It's not just, you know, a product people are buying into. It's truly your story as the founder and the company's story. It's, it's really the founder's story that people are most interested in. Um, so to be okay with sharing your story and to mic up and yeah. be prepared for that. Wow. Okay. And then the last question that I will ask you is to fill in the blank. I want want you to give me a personal and a professional one. This is my new favorite question. Entrepreneurship has taught you blank. So one personal, one professional. Yeah. Entrepreneurship has taught me that failure is part of the success story and to expect failure as part of your journey. And success is always on the other side of what that failure is. And then another thing is, um, I wrote this down earlier. Let me think about this. Um, I like the success one. Oh, yes. Another thing that I've learned is nothing good comes overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. So someone who has very large goals and very big aspirations, I want it now. But instead of focusing on like, I'll be happy when... When I make this money, when I have this goal accomplished, when I have multiple stores, it's like the present day to day is the only thing that you can live by of like, I'm choosing today to be happy and I chose this life for me. So what am I going to do today that will make me happy at the end of the night instead of like having that mentality of like, no, 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 I'm not going to be happy until I'm I'm skinny and I, I have like a six pack. I mean, that's with anything. But I think entrepreneurship, when you do have big goals you keep thinking you're going to turn into this person and you're going to cross this finish line. And all the successful ones talk about it is there is no, there is no finish line. There's always something else. So to enjoy the day-to-day process and to enjoy the person that you are now and not put a finish line on anything. That is the hardest thing for anyone. And it's funny because we started with kind of talking about patience and then we ended with Rome wasn't built in a day. (laughs) And I think that's what we where we can learn and like where you can grow because I think as much as my mentor tells me this he's like there's a time to be patient when Rome is not built in a day so your whole business isn't going to skyrocket in a year you don't even really want that because then there's going to be challenges that come with that you want this to be a long-term thing but in all reality he's like if you if you're impatient that's what makes entrepreneurs successful is that sense of urgency and that do it so it's that balance between the two which I wake up every morning and I'm like, how do you, how do you do it? Like, I don't know how you can balance wanting something so badly because you can't be patient in that. But at the same time, knowing that you have to grow. It's like pulling the trigger on something and following your gut. It's like, if that was the right move for today, then like, yeah, I did it. And that's the decision that was made because that's going to get us closer. So yeah, you have to have that, like that fire underneath your butt. Like you want to get there, but knowing it's not going to happen overnight. And I think you said something really important that I haven't heard before is that there's not a finish line, which I think we oftentimes have this when I get to this, I'll be happy. And when you really break that down, you get there eventually. 
and you're never, it's never what you thought or it's, mm-hmm. it's not that happiness or that light bulb moment usually. So I think it's an important reminder that even if you're going after this thing, you're going to get there and then there's something else that's right over there. You have one kid. Now I want two. Yeah. It's the same, especially with social media. You're always in that rabbit hole and comparison. Yeah. Trap of. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. You were so fun to talk to. Thank you. And the final question that I ask everyone is, Jill, what are you grateful for today? I'm so grateful for my health and my family's health. I, you stole mine. I always say that, (laughs) which is good because I literally say that every small episode. It's a good thing to be grateful for. I know. I am going to say I am grateful for rest. I feel like this weekend I actually just chillaxed for the first Mm. time, which I'm usually not not the best at doing that, but I always notice internally a big shift that I needed. So that's what I'm grateful for. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was so fun. Yay. <laughs> you did so well. And I got so much 